Welcome to Thrive Radio, expert visionary and innovative business, life, and relationship advice to live a life of doing the impossible with your host, Amy Montgomery. Amy Montgomery, entrepreneur and digital marketing agency owner. Today, my guest is Enrique Acosta Gonzalez. He is a leadership coach who has served as an executive businessman, veteran, advocate, board member, nonprofit administrator, speaker, mentor, and avid volunteer. He's helping leaders go from good to elite. Enrique, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Amy, for having me. Can you share your journey of learning leadership and how you became a coach? Yeah, that's always an interesting thing to cover. I learned leadership the hard way. I had a bad leader. How about that? (laughs) And I always say that you have many times an opportunity to get under some great leadership, but there's not that much great leadership out there. There is leadership, right? Someone that can tell someone else to do something and then they do it. But that is not leadership. That's borderline dictatorship, right? Yeah. But a lot of times that's what we fall under. And in my case, I fell under a leader that did not understand the principles of leadership. They knew how to be in a leadership position, right? And this was all uh, back in the military. They knew how to be in a leadership position, but they did not know the value and, and the thoughts and the hearts and everything and the mind that needs to be there for a leader to be able to inspire. So because of that, I learned what the things I needed to do in order to provide what he wasn't to the rest of the folks. And I started just developing and listening and studying leaders. It started in the church, right? I started with John Maxwell back in the nineties where I said, what this guy, he's teaching leadership. He has some great values. It looks like he's got his head on right Let me start listening to him. And I started adopting a lot of the things that he says. And eventually I became certified under his auspices and now am doing it full time post military service. And I love every day of it. I love that. His teachings are so good. I think when I was in college, they actually had his leadership uh, training in the college. So he's top notch. I love that. So in walking through your journey, what are you grateful for? I'm actually grateful for that guy. Imagine that because had he not been the type of leader that he was, I could not clearly define for myself the road I wanted to travel because I was young at the time. I could have easily said, what that looks like it's getting results. Let me be like that. So in a way, I have to thank him for showing me what not to do. And it was so early in my life that I actually capitalized from that. So early I found that out. And so early I found how to do it right. And so I was able to do it for a long time in the military, 26 years, and was fortunate enough to see the fruit of that good side of leadership, right? I did not see too many repeats of my life in sailors as I was going along because I made sure that they wouldn't see that type of leader. So how do you know when you're a real leader and fit to be a leader? It's pretty simple. And then it's pretty hard. I don't know how to explain it. So 
let's take, for instance, the just common day-to-day leader. He's in a position, he's leading, he gets up every morning. He knows he has a position, so he's going to be a leader. But on his way to work, he runs stop signs. He cuts people off. He uh, does sign language that probably nobody should be doing. And then he ends up at work. What happened to that leader between the time he woke up and he got to that position? He had plenty of time to lead where he was, and he didn't. Now, there are over 329.5 million people in the U.S. as of 2020. Out of all those many people, there's a ton of leaders. And what I see on a day-to-day basis, people running stop signs, people speeding, people cutting folks. (laughs) So if there are so many leaders, but I see this on a day-to-day basis, what happens? Their leadership is positional only, and they don't live out their leadership. So when do you know that you're a real leader? When you actually live out the principles of leadership. There's no wavering in your leadership from day to day. Every day, you are consistently setting an example for someone to follow in the right direction. And funny thing is, while those leaders are doing all these things driving, they are setting an example. Because what the funny thing is that I always, every time I see this activity, I always look at the back of the car because people love to praise themselves in different avenues. Hey, I see a fish. I'm like, oh, well, this must be a Christian man or a Christian woman. Yet they're doing this. Right? Yeah. I see CEO. Boom. Oh, wow. Nice. But yet you're doing this. So when you get to the point where your day to day life is setting examples in the good way for people to follow, regardless whether they are positionally under you or not. That's when you're a true leader. Why is leadership preparation and training important? Well, just with the backdrop of that story that I just told you, right? So you have to be deliberate about your daily activities. And so when you say I'm a leader, you have to say, okay, so if I'm a leader, that's the the hat that I'm a don on today. And if you're not a leader, then you can just, by all means, say, hey, look, I'm not a leader. I happen to be in a leadership position. (laughs) You could say that. I would be happy if people would say that. (laughs) So you have to think, okay, so in order for me to get where I think people should be, then first, am I there? And if I'm there, what's the next step? So it's always a progression in leadership development that has to first begin in the leader. You can't wait for people to say, oh, you're missing this. No, you got to find out what you're missing and how to get there. That is the first sign of true leadership, which is, can you lead yourself? Can you step aside of you and say, okay, this is what I have to work with. Where am I missing some ingredient, some training, some development that I need in order to make sure that I'm always at the forefront of everybody that's either by organizational structure they're under you or that happens to be that you're driving. When you can identify those things, then you can chart a course for yourself because guess what? Everybody that's under you in some way, shape or fashion is going to require that from you. 
hey, what do I need to get to where you are? And if you can't tell them that, or let's say you do tell them that, but you can't do it for yourself, you can forget about it because people, they see right through that. So preparation and training is important because not only will it give you longevity in your opportunity and your roles in leadership, but it will also allow you to chart a course for all those that are coming behind you. That's why it's important first for you. And then for those that are coming behind. I like that. So when someone has a team and they struggle to manage that team, what's the first thing you like to focus on with them? Always the leader. It is always the leader. Now, some people say, no, but they don't get along. Well, if you're the leader, you should be charting a course for them to how to get along. But guess what? We don't get, we don't even take time to learn the people. So we'd say, okay, this is what we got to do. You do that. You do. What about if Sally doesn't want to do that? <laughs> what about if Joe wants to do that? And, and they're both on your team. So when you're having teams struggle with compatibility, with the ability to work together, it's because you probably matched up the wrong people. And the only way you're going to know whether you matched up somebody with the wrong job is by knowing them. We do very little in fostering relationships within teams. And that is why we can't really get people to jail. I do this when I go assess companies and teams. I always provide a personality profile, an assessment. And the reason why and some people be like, oh, no, I've already had that. I say, okay, well, give me your four letter, uh, letter identify. And they're like, oh, I don't know what it is. Well, here it is. Take it again. Yeah, right. It's not <laughs> that hard to do. <laughs> it's not that hard to do. It'll take you a couple of minutes. That's fine. Because that gives me the lay of the land. I can tell you why Sally and Joe can't work together. They're polar opposites. They, they have co compatibility issues. So what can you do as a leader with that knowledge to create and foster an environment where your team can actually gel together? You must know what cable to match with another cable in order for the lights in the house to work. You imagine an electrician just saying, okay, I guess green and blue go together. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're going to have a fire. You're going to have some catastrophic event and you're going to have to pay uh, because the insurance is going to say, well, you messed that one up. Right? So, why are leaders not going this deep into their teams to facilitate the environment? And we do, we do very poor job in that. And that's why teams struggle. Yeah. Now, sometimes you hire the wrong person. Let's say Sally was not the right hire. You'll find out real quick. And then maybe Sally was actually, she should have been hired for production or ops or You'll figure that out, but it only happens when the leader actually knows the complement of the team that he has. Yeah. Gosh, it reminds me back when I was a receptionist, when I first started my career and doing this receptionist job, they had us doing those, those personality profiles and they ended up letting me go after, I think I worked there for four years and they said, you're called to be a leader. And if we keep you in this position, you're never going to get there. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, to be interesting, the, their philosophy behind it. But I can, 
I, I tell you, and, and I'll let you go there, but as a leader, I've had to make those calls. Yeah. So I understand it. Yeah. And I think that looking back at it, I, I thought, well, you could put me in a position where I'm, I'm able to use my talents and things. But I think that they, they, I just reached a point where I was so good at what I did that I was, I really needed to be promoted. And they just didn't have that ability to, you know, create that type of position for me. So, yeah, but I went on and excelled beyond, became eventually a CMO. So, and now I have my own agency. So it wasn't a bad thing. So you made it work, but just, uh, it, just for and my, they're right. Yeah. <laughs> but just for my knowledge, did they provide the avenue for you to get into a, a higher position? Wherever no, they were, been? yeah, they were a really small company. It was a small company and, uh, it was, they were, they sold sun microsystem parts mm -hmm. and uh, it was a very small little group. We had a little accounting group and then we had a huge warehouse and yeah. And so I did a variety of things. I did a little executive assistant stuff, a little reception stuff, little accounting, just a mixture. And I was, I was really happy, but I'd been there for so, for so long. And eventually I think the, I think I remember the executive that the CEO needed an assistant, but he was one of these people that his idea, he was very meticulous. He'd wake up in the morning and line up his colognes in a certain angle. And he'd always say that he knew <laughs> the lady that cleaned his house, if she didn't put them right back, right. Cause he would always turn it, turn one whenever he used it. Like he was that extreme. Wow with everything <laughs> like that was his cologne for the day. And so he, he was very, very just majored on just extreme details and wanting all these extreme things done. And I, that didn't really didn't fit my personality type. Like I was, I, I'm not really a personal assistant and he wanted more of that stuff. So yeah, there really wasn't in their organization, a place for somebody that actually wanted to, that was intelligent, that wanted to grow and all of that stuff. So I definitely understand why. And I always had big dreams and I think that scared them. I was always going after something. <laughs> I still am. Yeah, yeah, I think that has scared most people that might hire me. It's always been like, well, you, you've got five businesses. <laughs> why, why do you want to be here? Well, I don't know. <laughs> you know. So that's always just been the thing, but now I've got my own. So I don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah, no, I asked that question because a lot of folks that, uh, that I talk to, I say, it's nice to identify when a person has outgrown your company. It's, that means you're paying attention to detail, but it's always nicer <laughs> if you can provide a bridge over somewhere else where they can go. You yeah. Know? And so as leaders, we should identify when our folks are outgrowing our capabilities, because even leaders have but but so much to 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 give. And if you can identify that in people, but also provide somewhere where they can bridge over to somewhere else, it's even better. So why do you believe elite leaders embrace growth and personal change? Well, just uh, because it's easy to stay comfortable. Right? You mentioned, oh, well, yeah, I stood there for a long, long time. You may, maybe you should have gone a long, long time ago, right? But, but <laughs> they just nudged you out, but yeah, I just know, wanted it, a paycheck. I was young right. in my twenties, just wanted a paycheck. Yeah. Right, right. And so, 
when you're talking about leaders, right? There's bad leaders. There's good leaders. There are great leaders. And then there are elite leaders. And there's a difference all throughout, but they all share the same common thing. They're leaders. So what separates a bad leader and an elite leader? They both invest positively and negatively in their career. So bad leaders are comfortable where they are. They don't want to add. <laughs> they don't want to change. <laughs> Just leave me where I'm at. I'm happy. That's all I want to do. And then you have elite leaders that are investing in themselves, whatever that may look like. They're also investing in their fellow leaders because they want them to someday take over their position. And basically they are selfless, right? So you got a selfish and then selfless and elite leaders are never afraid of them themselves being the change. And this is what I mean. If Amy is next up to bat, I'm not afraid to give my bat to Amy so she can hit it out of the park. And I'll just go in the stands and watch her hit a home run or a, a trip or whatever it may be. And so elite leaders not only embrace growth for themselves, but they embrace growth of their people even if that personal change, that growth leads them to be out of a job. And then you gladly give it. You say, hey, I have my run. Maybe it's time for me to chill out. I'll give you a real quick story. I was hired at a government position. Day one, I picked the person that was second senior to me. And I said, I give you one year. And it's like, what? I give you one year to replace me. Seven months down the road, the situation looked like it was already ready. Seven months down the road, I left. They moved up and they're still there. Running the stuff and I left. I never went back to, and then I started my own stuff, right? Yeah, but yeah. that's how elite leaders think. What can I do to get this next person to be where I'm at? Cause I'm already here. I'm already here. What can I do for them and get it done? Yeah, definitely. So there are a lot of, I'd say leadership programs where business might come in and do some sort of leadership program. And it goes on for a couple of months, maybe, but then that fizzles out and people go back to the the way that things were and mentorship and the coaching and all that was a conference that everyone attended. And now you go back and you talk about how you believe that mentorship is important throughout a leader's career. Right. What form do you think it should take? Should they just be attending conferences like that? Or should they be doing some sort of one-on-one -on -one training? What do you think is the best approach? Yeah. So every, every individual has an obligation to themselves to find someone that they can look up to that is at their level, somebody that can tell them, Hey, yeah, we're doing it right. 
somebody above their level, right? Somewhere where you want to go. And I always tell you need somebody below. And the reason why I say you need somebody below, and I left that for last because usually the one that they don't want to have. <laughs> when you have somebody below you and somebody at you and somebody above you, you've covered a spectrum of your life cycle because the person that's below you can tell you whether you're doing it right. The person that's at your level can tell you whether you're headed in the right direction. And the person that's above you can tell you whether you'll make it or not. And so there's di these different divides. And so, but that responsibility does not reside in organizations. That responsibility resides with you. It is your obligation to yourself to find yourself a mentor. No one will care about you like you, where they have a mentorship program. Well, not everybody going back to that personality thing, not everybody gels. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to assign me a mentor, then I'm going to scrutinize that mentor. And that's one of those type A personality type of thing that it's like, well, you're not just going to give me anybody. <laughs> right. who, who is this person? Now I got to go and investigate whether they're good enough for me. Yeah. Because you have to know yourself. And so don't be shy and saying, I'm sorry, but this mentor does not cut it. Don't be shy. Don't be crazy about it. Right. <laughs> I just say this mentor is not compatible to what I think I need. So can I go about and scan the leadership here and see who I think would be a great person for me that I already trust that maybe I emulate, I would like to be like versus just hand me somebody that probably doesn't care to be there you know, already. So that is number one. That responsibility is yours. Now, why is it important to have it throughout your leadership career? If you, when you're too close to the problem, you cannot see, right? You don't, you can't see the forest for the tree. You, it's one of those things that it's real. So you must have people, sounding boards, people that will say, Hey, let me talk to you about something. I saw you doing this. Can you explain to me what you was thinking? <laughs> when you was making those decisions while you was making those moves because they're either contract, however it, the conversation goes, yeah. but you have to have that throughout your career to keep you on the right track. Accountability starts with you, but it also should have a component where it's external that other people can tell you, you know, my wife, she's my accountability partner. She'd be quick, right? We're from the Bronx. She'd be quick to tell me, <laughs> hey, brother, you, Good you, woman. You, you did this. I don't know what you was thinking, but let's discuss that. I rely on her for that. And though sometimes it is not an easy pill to swallow, I know that she's there for a reason. She's there for my good. So those mentors should be there for your good. And if you have them at all three levels, you'll do great.
So can you share some of your client success stories with us? Yeah, I'll tell you what most people tell me. Enrique, I never thought about it that way. And that's really the whole entire reason I am in the business that I'm in. There are times that we just don't think. We can't think right because we're just inundated with so much information. There's so much on our plate. There's so many stressors. We have to perform. We have to do. And what I provide is that perspective that is unbiased, that is untapped by your stressors. And I could give you a perspective where you say, and which I often hear, I just never thought about it that way. And so if there's anything that resounds throughout all of my clients is that they come out of our sessions with a clear way ahead, a bridge to that other side, wherever it was that they needed to go, they now have a bridge and they can get there. Not only produce that type of conversation, but I, I cheer them on and, and watch them grow. And sometimes, like we mentioned, I'll grow me. And, and then I'll have to say, what well, has been wonderful having this dialogue and having this time. I would like to introduce you to somebody that I know can now take you to point Z. If there's anything that I hear the most is, and I didn't think about it like that. So if you were able to give yourself one piece of advice when you first started out, what would it be? Don't rush it. Don't rush it. If there's anything in leadership that you can count on is that you're not going to have it all right today. <laughs> you're not. And I know a lot of people get basically catapulted into leadership positions. It's a hard thing. Everybody wants leadership until they have to be a leader. <laughs> yeah, right. It's not easy. No, it's not. And I understand the appeal of, of a higher paycheck. I understand that. I, I understand the appeal of some of the perks that come with leadership positions. But leadership is painful. When you do it right, your heart hurts for a lot of folks. Your mind goes when you're thinking about your people. So it's not a, there is a burden with leadership. As much as it is a privilege, there's a burden. A lot of, li a lot of people like the privilege. They just don't like the burden. And that's when we fail our folks because you should be thinking about your people. You should, your heart should be feeling some things about your people. And that should propel you to give them your very best. And so if I was to advise anyone that's going on their journey right now, don't rush it, but learn. That's why we discuss mentorship. That's why we, I have my profession where you can go to somebody and say, Hey, this is my lot in life right now. I just got placed in this position. I got 15 people. I have no idea what I'm going to do. All right, well, let's discuss that. And then as long as you can get someone to give you that advice and that coaching and that mentorship, you're going to be fine, but don't rush it. You, people die because of leadership. Yeah. 
Enrique, if there are people that are listening that would love to work with you, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, the best way is to go to my website, triadleadershipsolutions.com. There's an area there where you can book a, a time with me. I stay on LinkedIn. If anything about me, I, that's, yeah. that's my platform. I am on Instagram and Facebook and, and Twitter. Those handles are just the same, Triad Leadership Solutions. And I believe Twitter is TLS underscore FL, which is Florida. But those are the ways you can get a hold of me. But you can go straight to Calendly, Calendly.com, Triad Leadership Solutions, and uh, book that way as well. Perfect. I'll put all those links below. Enrique, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your expertise today. It is my pleasure. And, and thank you for having me. Yes. And if you're listening and you want more information about this podcast and upcoming shows, you can visit a call to thrive.com. Thank you everyone and have a wonderful week.